Welcome to our study of Hebrews chapter 6 here on the Radio Bible Course. The author at the end of Hebrews chapter 6 has been emphasizing how the Hebrew Christians can indeed trust God. He said God took an oath that what he has promised he will perform, and he wants you to trust him. Trust is a synonym for belief. Trust is faith, and faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now, faith is not related to the senses. Faith is related to the Word of God, and basic to salvation is believing God, just like Abraham did. Do you believe God? Do you believe in God? Well, the Bible doesn't ask us to believe in God. It asks us to believe God. That implies that God has said something, that he has made a promise, and he wants us to believe him. Acknowledgement that there is a creator is not faith. Any thoughtful person considering the heavens could arrive at the conclusion that there must be an intelligence who set it all in place. Now that's sight, not faith. Faith is believing God concerning something applicable to you. It's not faith to believe that you can bring healing to someone by your prayers. You are not Jesus, neither are you an apostle. Faith is believing what God has promised to all believers. He has promised persecution and rejection, but not prosperity. He has promised tribulation, but with it peace and joy. And he has promised eternal life and the resurrection from the dead for every one of us. He said, we are now children of God, but we're going to be something greater. Someday our bodies, resurrected by the power of God, will be glorified bodies. The Hebrew Christians seem to have forgotten these promises of God, and they turned back to the dead works of the ceremonial laws of Judaism. We learned that from the context of the whole book. They didn't realize that rituals could not give assurance. The author of this Hebrew epistle knew that, so he turns them to Abraham, who believed God, and tells them that if they'll imitate Abraham's faith, they will have the certain assurance of hope. And this, he writes in verse 19, is a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. The writer here presents them with a figure of speech known as a metaphor. The metaphor is of a ship's anchor. Without it, a ship would be at the mercy of currents, wind, and tides. With the anchor secure, however, on the ocean bottom and attached to a reliable chain, the ship is safe. It won't drift. Now, how safe is the Hebrew Christian? How safe are you spiritually? Do you have an anchor? Where is your anchor? Our anchor, the writer tells us, like the ships, cannot be seen. Our security is not related to sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. And when a ship lowers its anchor and it drops to the bottom and secures on something firm on the bottom of the ocean, 
then it is attached firmly. Now, while an anchor goes down to secure the vessel, the believer's anchor has gone up. Listen to Hebrews 6, 19 and 20. For we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner shrine behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus has gone behind the curtain like the high priest in the tabernacle. But the author here is referring to the true temple in heaven, not the tabernacle on earth. And he said he has gone behind the veil. Well, the tabernacle and the temple both had a veil that separated the most holy place from the rest of the temple. Only the high priest could go there, and that's where the presence of God was. So he tells us here in chapter 6 that Jesus has gone into the inner shrine behind the veil or the curtain. He has gone into the very presence of God. Sometimes we wish that Jesus were here so we could see him. But personally, I'm glad he's up there in the present. You see, an anchor that is up hanging on the side of a ship doesn't help the ship. It's a value, however... And it's like a promise that when the ship needs to be secured near a harbor, that anchor will be available. In verse 19, the writer says, We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner shrine. The anchor as a hope is real when it is lowered into the darkness of the sea. One can't see its location on the ocean floor, but one knows it has secured itself to something firm by the tension on the chain and by the position of the ship. We have here a metaphor of safety and security from an invisible place where the anchor has gone. This is like faith. It is assurance of something not seen. A chain attached to a tree on an island would not be an appropriate illustration of faith because it could be seen. But 2 Corinthians 5 tells us that we walk by faith, not by sight. That's a reminder to the Christian. If the believer needs to see something, that might indicate he doesn't have faith. You need to see miracles in order to trust God. If you see a miracle, you don't need faith. The miracle is the proof. It is visible. Faith, however, trusts in the invisible. We can't see God who made the promise. We can't see Christ. But we do have a record of what God revealed. Now, verse 19 says, Our hope is in the promise of God concerning the Savior, and He is an anchor of the soul. That inward, immaterial part of man that is immortal. Is your soul anchored to what? To your church? Well, what if your church organization splits? Or what if it proves to be wrong in something? Or what if your church changes its doctrine, as so many have done in the last couple of decades? 
A changing church is not a good anchor. In one church in which I was reared, what was once a sin is no longer a sin in that same church. Now, I can't be secure in a religious organization that flip-flops about what sin is. But if Christ is my anchor, I have no fear of drifting or danger. He will never change. Now, where is my hope? Verse 19 says, In the inner shrine or veil, referring to the Holy of Holies in the temple. That's where the presence of God was manifested. And verse 20 tells us that Jesus has gone there. Now, keep in mind that anyone who dared enter that holy place would not have lived to tell about it. Only the high priest could enter that holy place. He represented the people. They didn't need to feel alienated from God for not entering the Holy of Holies because the high priest went there on their behalf. Now, the word enters in verse 19, telling us that Christ, our hope, enters into the inner shrine. That word enters is in the present tense. When you believe, your hope enters and continues to enter the presence of God, then you will feel a security. Now, faith asks that we believe that Christ is there in the presence of God and that he's there on our behalf. If we do, then we will not feel insecure because we are on earth while he is in heaven. Christ is at the right hand of God. He represents me there. I'm not insecure because my body did not experience pain when I believed in the crucifixion of Christ. I did not need to experience pain. He represented me in punishment, in pain, and in death. And all those things that he bore on my behalf are mine by faith not by feeling. In verse 20, the author tells us that Jesus has gone into heaven as a forerunner. He went where the people could not go. The priest of the Old Testament was qualified to enter, and he went with the names of the twelve tribes representing them. But here, Jesus is the forerunner. That's different from the priest's activity. A forerunner has gone ahead where the followers will come later. He wouldn't be called a forerunner if we were not going to be following him. We will join him in the same place, and we will be qualified to enter. Am I qualified? Yes, but only through faith. Thank God it's only through faith, because I would hate to be trying to qualify myself. It's faith in him who did everything necessary to permit my entrance into heaven. Faith brings me the imputed righteousness of Christ, and it qualifies me for entrance into God's presence. I'll never qualify for heaven by any of my personal worthiness. I can't be good enough. God's standard is perfection. Nor can I resolve my sin problem by my own efforts. But Christ did solve both of these problems. He qualified me and he redeems me from sin forever. 
Now the high priest of Israel never asked an Israelite to come into the veil with him. Death would have fallen on both of them. That was an impossibility to, to do, but Christ is superior to the Old Testament priests in that he accomplished what they could not do. The author wants the Hebrews to know that and to hold on to that kind of hope. Now, the book of Hebrews is an essay on how Jesus Christ is better than everything and everybody in Judaism, and he has become a high priest, not like Aaron the man, who is the first high priest, but a high priest forever after another order, and that order is the order of Melchizedek. You see, the Aaronic priesthood was temporary. So were the rituals, the ceremonies, and the law. The sacrifices and holy days were temporary. I need none of them. They are obsolete since Christ has come, has done what was necessary, and has gone to where it counts for me. Where? At the right hand of God's throne. In tomorrow's program, we'll begin with chapter 7 and see how Christ is like Melchizedek of old. I'll be here and I hope you'll tune in. If you haven't received your copy of our free booklet entitled Heaven's Password, we invite you to write today to the Radio Bible Course. Heaven's Password is a study of the critical word of salvation. Don't miss getting your free copy. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calabota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.